Hello, I'm Johnny. And I'm Victoria. Tasty Pages is the companion podcast to our Cooking the Books Instagram page. Each episode, we discuss a featured cookbook and rank it in a variety of categories, including food photography, design, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. But we also chat about any other random nonsense that might be going on in our minds. Funny encounters, movie recommendations, grievances, what we're having for dinner. In other words, typical married couple stuff. Whatever the topic, the conversation is always casual and unscripted and unedited. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) There may also be a cocktail or two consumed. We also share listener answers to a food-related question, and Victoria takes us to a different culinary destination as part of our Gastro Obscura segment. Lastly, Johnny shares a lame food-themed dad joke at the conclusion of each episode. Join us in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis for the podcast equivalent of that junk drawer in your kitchen. Tasty pages. You're not quite sure what you'll find, but it's probably going to be awesome. Probably. This week's featured cookbook is... To Asia with Love by Hetty McKinnon. Hi, Johnny. Victoria, <laughs> happy day after day after Thanksgiving. Woo. At the time of this recording, it is Small Business Saturday. Yes. The day after Black Friday. I'm just starting to get hungry again after that epic meal on well, Thanksgiving. It, it didn't help that we went to Friendsgiving last night, too. That is true. It was a good use of the leftovers, though. Mm-hmm. I'm coming into this episode hot. This, oh, is, Jesus. this is what I want to talk about. You know those uh, reality competition shows where the judges will decide that no one goes home at the end of the show? Oh, God, I have to sit here and listen to this again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard Get ready. this. Johnny's going on a rant. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I'll just be over I here. Mean, they have one job. And their job is to send someone home and judge the competition appropriately. And then all of a sudden at the, you know, you, you, you've, you've committed, you've stuck into this, the whole episode. And then surprise, no one's going home. Everyone gets a prize. Everyone gets to keep going. But that's a little twist. And then the next week they get to send two people home. Keeps it from getting stale. That's cruel and unusual. No. Uh, I suppose I should welcome everyone to Tasty Pages a podcast from Cooking the Books, and let them know that if they go to our website, wecookbooks.com, and click on that store tab, that will direct them to our uh, Amazon.com affiliate page. And hey, with, uh, what do they call it now? Cyber Monday coming up? Mm-hmm. There's, there's some good deals to be had, I'm sure. If you got your eye on like a TV set or something, you could, you could make that purchase. We'd get a little affiliate <laughs> cash. Um, wouldn't cost you any more. And it's a great way that you could support what we're doing here at Tasty Pages Central. Get a little change in our pocket, a little jingle in our pocket. Actually, it is just a little jingle. Just a little jingle. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Are we still talking about uh, affiliate commissions here or what? (laughs) I guess we're uh, we're gonna be putting up our Christmas tree in a bit. Yes, per the uh, yearly tradition. We'll watch our first Christmas movie from here from here on out. Every night it's Christmas movies. Yep, just be forewarned. And we're gonna start with the Christmas Story sequel, which is actually the sequel to the sequel because there was a Christmas Story too. It's a little obscure follow up to the to the hit original. It was awful. It was bad. We it was didn't awful. Even finish watching no. it. We tried. It, uh, we were so excited to learn of, of its existence and then not good. The kids were teenagers and it was just no bueno. They were trying to tell the same jokes again for the second time. Yeah. And as, as you know, living with me, that never works out well. No, it does not. What else do we got Speaking going Speaking of Christmas, we're drinking some nog. Oh, yeah. What are we drinking? Um. Okay. And you didn't half step it on this because like most people would just pour a little bit of Noggin with the, it's bourbon, right? You put mm. some bourbon in there. Uh, brandy, brandy. Uh, slosh it around in a mason jar or something and call it good. But I mean, you served it up in this fancy wine glass and you like shaved a little bit of nutmeg on there. And I uh, half stepping. I aerated it with that little handheld I foamer. Mean, you made a bona fide craft cocktail. I feel like I went a little bit too heavy on the nutmeg, though. No, at least on mine. I'm good. I mean, I can't taste a thing because I just drank some mouthwash, and so this is... You drank some mouthwash? Oh, you're not (laughs) supposed to do that? Getting started early. 
Okay. You might have a problem, I'm Balmer. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got I to gotta cleanse the palate here for a second, and then, then I'll let you know how the... How the nutmeg uh, portion is. Yeah, I think I over nutmegged. Oh, did you want to talk about the nog though? Oh, yeah. Kind of a, a nice okay. discovery. Okay, so here's the thing. Generally, I think eggnog is disgusting, as, as does Johnny, because um, it's just so cloyingly sweet and heavy and it, it's just unpleasant. But at Trader Joe's, they have a, uh, it's an oat milk eggnog. It's not too sweet, not too heavy, not too fattening. No. And you know, generally, that's also a reason why I don't why I don't drink eggnog is because it, it's for the calories that you're consuming. It is just not worth it. Agreed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is this is uh, this is allowing us to really lean into the to the nog and embrace the nog. Yep. And be festive. So I Who, appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of stunned. I never would have thought that I would willingly be like, hey, let's have some eggnog. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, You want to talk about what we just finished up as far as cookbooks go? Yes. uh, We just finished up Go To Dinners by... Ina Garten. Yes. The Queen. This is their latest release, 2022. And I don't know how I feel about it. You got some time to sit with it and form your your opinion. Uh, What do we got going on next? Extra Good Things. By from the Odolenghi Test Kitchen. Yeah. And again, this is one of those books where you could just open it up to a page. Odolenghi Test Kitchen is kind of like the cool older brother to the Milk Street Kitchen, right? I think so. Yeah. I totally think so. That's a that's a pretty you you co-sign that. That's a pretty great (laughs) analogy. Yep. Nice, Balmer. And uh, let's see. Oh, in other breaking news, what's for dinner tonight? Well, we're doing surf and turf. I have no idea what you, you tell us about your shrimp. Well, per usual, Victoria got a giant steak. It's as big as her head. Mm-hmm. And she's going to sous vide that. Ribeye. And then what are you having for the side? Did, <laughs> I'm doing a baked did, potato. Did you decide? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a baked potato. I haven't had a baked potato in. Not just any baked potato. It's loaded. It's kind of loaded. Max. To the extreme. I'm going to put some of that everything but the elote. Dip in it. Here you go. That'll be good. No donkey sauce? No. no. (laughs) And then I got some shrimp, and I'm going to just do this preparation that uh, I think I found it in like a food and wine magazine. It's it's nothing special. It's just some veggies. There's some like grilled corn and some uh, cherry tomatoes, and you just like kind of saute that up and then throw the shrimp in. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be good. I'll probably put some some something spicy in there, jazz it up a bit. Throw some chili crisp on there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Looking forward to it. Before we jump into our show question, uh, this this might become a new regular segment. As oh, if no. this podcast episode know, isn't right? long enough, you know, we could we could turn this into like a two hour episode that we could stretch it into. Um, <laughs> we we joke about this all the time, and so I thought like <laughs> I wanted to quiz you, test your knowledge on um, these Instagram accounts that we make fun of where they kind of just combine like two random, usually food ingredients. Peas and carrots. Right. <laughs> but they're usually not even like, they don't even go together like that. So I'll give you an example and then you can tell me if you think it's an actual Instagram account or a fake one that, that I made up. Okay, I'm in the hot seat here. I mean, you know my humor, so you'll probably be able to figure this out. <laughs> so the first one is sardines and peaches. That's fake. Yeah, it's fake ass. <laughs> fake ass. Mushrooms and grape juice. Fake. Yes. <laughs> Tea and mangoes. Real. Yep. That one's real. I found it. Found it on the old Instagram. Fork and whisk. Real. Yep. Pecans and prosecco. I'm gonna say that's real. Fake, oh. at least as far as I know. Okay. I had pecans on my mind. See, you were being a little... Why? <laughs> because I had a piece of pecan pie for Thanksgiving. Okay. So, <laughs> you were being a little bit obvious in your previous choices. Yes. Sardines and peaches, you, you, <laughs> didn't fool you? Didn't give you pause? No. All right. Well, you know, that might be a random one-off thing. It might turn into a regular segment. We'll, we'll see. That's it? 
You yeah, just had it. you just had more. Oh yeah, oh. I wasn't gonna like you know <laughs> ask you like fifty of them or something. I, I I feel I felt like five was was a good amount okay. to start with. That brings us to our show question. In keeping with the Thanksgiving theme, we asked our listeners what their favorite leftover turkey recipes were. We didn't get a lot of answers. I think people were busy with Thanksgiving preparation. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's my that's my assessment. It wasn't that they didn't care or they couldn't be bothered. It was that they're just so insanely busy with all these Thanksgiving dinner preparations. Did you know, and we talked about this yesterday, there's a kind of popular Thanksgiving lore that the turkey was in consideration to be the national bird in the United States. Yes, I knew this. And I I did some research. Okay. Turns out that that's just a very popular myth, urban legend. Oh. And it originated... From Benjamin Franklin, who wrote a letter to his daughter suggesting that the original eagle design on the Great Seal of the United States more closely resembled a turkey (laughs) than an eagle. Which is probably not... The artist probably wasn't doing a very good job there. Probably not the the best, you know, what they were hoping for when you're trying to convey the, this majesty and uh, regalness and then it looks like a turkey. But did it have like a waddle or something? I, I, I didn't find any original sketches online or anything. How do you make it... How do you make an eagle look Although, like a turkey? You know, given the results of the 2016 election and all the recent turkey frying fail videos that I was watching on YouTube. Oh my god. Perhaps a turkey would be more appropriate. For I know, this right? <laughs> uh, that know. that is a fair point. Yeah. Hey, another little quiz for you before we jump into the answers here. Oh my god. How many people in the United States eat turkey on Thanksgiving? What's the what's the percentage would you say? I'd say about 70, 70%. Ooh, you're on the low side. Oh, really? Yeah. 88% according to the National Turkey Federation. So you know, take I mean, that they could is, they could be uh, uh, gilding hey, the lily a little bit there. On a related there. note, did you know that uh, the, the, according to the National Pumpkin Council that uh, <laughs> pumpkin pie is the most favorite pie? <laughs> according to them? <laughs> But yeah, 88%. Huh. And I, I guess the remaining 12% would be people with good taste or vegans, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, you want to start with the first one? Yes, let me set my drink okay. down. The, the um, nog's still good? It's still, still good. treating you okay? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Uh, Heather K said, chili verde with roasted tomatillos and white beans or turkey mole. Okay. Why wait till leftovers to make that? Yeah. I would just serve that as the main course. Right? Man. Uh, At Maxwell Gregory, 2018, turkey ramen. Never had it. No. I don't know why you'd go ruining perfectly good ramen with turkey, but (laughs) (laughs) it would be an upgrade from from the, the... Leftover turkey, I guess. In case you can't tell, we're not really super big fans of turkey, but, you know, I'm just, I'm willing to eat it. Once a year, you know, since someone went through the effort of making it. True. I did get a late, late minute, uh, last minute entry here. Sure, late on me. At Megan, <laughs> let's talk after the show. <laughs> At Megan Anigans said, take out because <laughs> one meal of turkey is enough. So. Yes. You might say she's quitting it cold turkey, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I co-sign that. What'd you have for your picks? Like if, if you know, gun to your head, you had to make something with leftover turkey, what would you do? That shit is going in Olive's dinner bowl. Yeah, <laughs> and it did. <laughs> and it gave her diarrhea. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> All right. I, I took a more adult approach to this. And, and, and uh, unless you had something oh, else. Oh, look you at you. Else? Are you so mature? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have anything. Okay. Else. That's your final answer. That Dog is. bowl. All right, it's, a, it's as good as the answer as any. Um, I figured I'd do a little turkey hash with a poached egg. Like, I'm thinking, like, next day you're kind of hungover from imbibing a little too much, maybe too much nog, and uh, you're. Thinking of whipping up a little breakfast brunch situation, 
I, I think you could do worse than, you know, some turkey hash. You better be reheating. Something the t- with spicy, too. It's got to be spicy. You better be reheating the turkey separately in some broth. Otherwise, sure. it's going to be dry as fuck. Yeah, well. If it already isn't dry in the first <laughs> I was place. Say, doesn't it start out that way? <laughs> uh, yeah, thankfully, we have no turkey leftovers, so not an issue. Yeah. But uh, although yeah. we had some at Friendsgiving last night, my friend, my my BFF Heather had us over for Friendsgiving, and it was a good way for us to get rid of leftovers. We had some kale salad, and she had cooked a turkey, and yeah. it was actually delicious. Yeah. And she heated it up in some broth, and it was totally fine. It was. But now I can't believe I've eaten turkey two days in a row. Well. You're, you're good I'm until next Thanksgiving. <laughs> 363 <laughs> days. That's, that's, that's a long ways to wait. Right. It's for your next turkey indulgence. All right, should we jump into this book? Uh, sure. All right. Not much to say that hasn't been already said. We're a little late to the party on this one, per usual. We're usually late to all the food trends. Um, five years from now, we'll probably be making pickleball videos on tiktok Mm -hmm. with machine gun kelly music playing in the background yeah but yeah so we were late to this uh book we saw it being featured saw it show up on lots of year-end lists it was kind of one of the first ones that i recall that it's become kind of a popular trend with publishers and and a good trend that we welcome where it's these part cookbook Part memoir, they're usually authored by uh, children of immigrants, uh, like first generation Mm -hmm. immigrants, telling their story of growing up using food as part of the narrative. And so, uh, like I said, this has become kind of a popular topic for publishers and they're releasing a lot of these books, which, you know, in turn is creating a lot of diversity among cookbook authors, which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, some similar books that come to mind are... Uh, Mr. Jews in Chinatown, Amboy, Xi'an Famous Foods, uh, one that we just finished working our way through, First Generation mm-hmm. by Frankie Gaw, Korean American. So there's there's been a, a, a nice amount of them released that we've enjoyed working through, and this was uh, no exception. Anything else to say on that? This uh, one is uh, plant-based. Yes. Mostly gluten-free, or at least gives you... Gluten-free Some options. options mm-hmm. As well as vegan options. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say on it before we jump into the dishes we made? Nope. Let's go down the bullet point list. All right. Take it away. All right. We started off with cumin tofu stir fry. Then there was an egg, pea, and ginger fried rice. Black pepper Brussels sprouts with cold silken tofu. Soy sauce chow mein with a fried egg. Gluten-free dumplings. Wonton and noodles in a ginger turmeric broth. Uh, I didn't see that there was any turkey on that list. No, sir. No turkey. (laughs) Uh, Should we talk cumin tofu stir fry? Yes. Okay, so this this dish in the head notes, um, Hetty actually says that this is kind of a take on a dry fry lamb dish that that she saw at Shan Famous Foods. Oh, nice. Yeah. Little, little um, callback. Because cumin is not commonly used in, in Chinese cuisine. That's true. So um, this was her vegetarian version of it. Okay. I didn't catch that. I'm yeah. glad you did. Yeah. This one was a pretty easy one. You take extra firm tofu and it gets marinated in tamari or soy sauce if you're not gluten-free and rice wine. And then there's a spice mixture containing cumin, gochugaru, gochugaru, um, sugar, and salt. And that is the base of your dry fry spice. You coat the tofu in cornstarch and you fry it until crispy. And then you remove, you set that aside. The, The recipe actually calls for cauliflower, but we substituted broccolini as it was a suggestion from the author. I mean, on a good day, this would be like a pantry meal for us because we generally have a package of extra firm tofu kicking around the fridge and then, uh, you know, all those spices and and herbs and stuff, you know, we generally have. And if you had some kind of veg, whether it was like some cauliflower, broccoli, I think potatoes would be good mm-hmm. or carrots or something, um, you could throw this together pretty quickly and easily just using what you have on hand. Yeah. It was a lot of food. It was. 
Okay, so after you fry the tofu and set it aside, then you add onion, chili, ginger, and garlic and give that a quick stir fry. And then you add the cauliflower and... Or in our case, the broccolini. The broccolini. And then you toss in the dry dry fry spice and then you toss in the tofu and boom, you're done. Yeah. One thing I do wish we would have done, and this this was just no fault of the recipe yeah. by any means, but we, we got the broccolini and the stuff that we bought, the, the stocks were really thick compared to the florets. And I found that those did not cook, obviously, as as quickly as the florets did. I wish we would have separated the stems from the florets and kind of cooked them separately. Gave them a quick blanch yes, ahead of time. Yes, yeah. that would have been perfect. But beyond that, I I really enjoyed this. I'm not a huge fan of dry fries. I've I've kind of figured out. I like a little bit of sauce. Yeah, yeah. Because I... I Anytime we've done these in the past, and this was no exception, is the spices get a little cakey, mm-hmm. and and it's it's a very particular kind of uh, you know method of, of of preparation, and 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 the result is that you know kind of caked on spices and stuff, and and it's hard to get them as evenly incorporated. I feel like yeah, well, Does that and, make sense? And yes, and we served this with rice too. We had rice with this, so mm-hmm. I think a, I think a little sauciness would have been good. Indeed. But I mean, we chose a dry for our recipe. Yes, so. exactly. No fault of the recipe. <laughs> Anything else on that? I don't think so. Um, and it had a fair amount of heat too. So it, you know, if you if you like the spice level high, this is a good one to to give a try to mm-hmm. um egg pea and ginger fried rice so this is kind of like a breakfast for dinner or dish. a johnny's bullshit lunch yeah <laughs> dish because i would totally make this for lunch someday yeah because this was a breakfast dish from from hetty's childhood and this is super duper easy too you start by you beat up a couple eggs set those aside then you throw in your rice and then some frozen peas and carrots and Tamari. I don't know about our listeners, but if their local takeout place gives them the volume of rice that ours does, this is a great solution for what to do with all that because we don't even order extra rice. And the stuff that they just send regularly is like two enormous takeout containers that we never finish and so there's an indian place that we order from and so poor johnny is eating like some version of a rice dish it's like the gift that keeps on giving all week and there's always there's always egg involved yes always a fried egg i've been i've been working on my fried egg game lately so tell me do do you like do you prefer your fried egg edges and bottom crispy yes okay and that's what i've been trying to perfect and I found that if you throw a little oil in the pan, start it off with a medium hot, medium high hot pan and crack those eggs in there, put a cover on it and turn the heat down a bit. That seems to be the, the, the good uh, technique for getting those uh, nice crispy edges. And yet the egg yolk is still nice and gooey. I'm kind of indifferent about the crispy edges. Yeah. To be honest. Oh, it's hard to it's hard to get the balance though, right? And and you got to take the egg off before you actually think it's done. Because if you let it sit there until it looks done, by the time you serve it up, you've got like a hard boiled egg on your plate. Look at you, master of egg cookery. Well, let's not get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on this? Uh, I mean, this in my mind was almost like a pantry meal because especially since you're starting off with the leftover cooked rice. Yeah. Oh, and also if you don't have leftover rice, you can. You can use freshly cooked rice. You just have to make sure that it's cooled down. Otherwise, it will get clumpy. Sure. Now, this next dish was probably the more interesting one of the bunch and certainly photographed really well. Mm-hmm. And it was a new technique for using uh, silken tofu for us. Because we don't work with it ever. No. Um, Usually, the only time we use it is when we're making like a like a mousse, like a chocolate mousse dessert kind of situation, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. But that's my only point of reference with silken tofu. So um, black pepper Brussels sprouts with a cold silken tofu. So the Brussels sprouts get roasted. um, And then you take 
garlic, ginger, shallots, chili. The recipe actually calls for three different kinds of soy sauce, but obviously we just used tamari. It called for uh, dark soy sauce, keycap manis, and... I mean, we're not that fancy in this household. We don't have like a soy sauce program or something. I know. Well, I mean, I can't eat any of them anyways. That is true. Anyway, those get get uh, tossed into a wok. Well, and that, that block of silken tofu gets placed on the plate, and then you pour this hot oil over it. Yes, and the, so it the hot. it gets a sizzling. It, it's, it's a beautiful presentation. Yeah, it's the hot sauce. And the the I loved the contrast in textures yes. with the like crispy leaves from the roasted Brussels sprouts in the silken tofu and i love that the tofu was cold too yes like i love the hot and cold contrast you think a fried egg would have been good on this no (laughs) i mean this one actually blew my hair back i was so happy eating it likewise yes it was good no complaint and is the photos beautiful that was one of my favorite photos that we've taken in a long time too it just it just it just looked nice should we talk soy sauce chow mein with a fried egg? <laughs> there we go. Back on the fried egg game. Yeah. So. This was another one that just felt like a, a pantry meal, like mm-hmm. something you do with leftovers. We obviously use some rice noodles, rice-based noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use tamari instead of soy. Very the, simple. There was some yeah. veggies in there. Well, the recipe, the recipe called for bean sprouts. So we we went to our local Asian grocer, United Noodles, and we had gotten some bean sprouts. And they sat in our fridge for a couple days. Whoopsies. And by the time we were ready to use them, they were just like this nasty brown. So we gave them to our dog? No. (laughs) Yes, because I want to deal with diarrhea. I'm 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 sensing a theme here. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and I mean, this was another one where I could envision it being a pantry meal to a lot of people if they had these ingredients on hand. Yeah. So, I mean, not much to say about it, but it was delicious. It's simple. Not everything we make in the cookbook has to involve, you know, complex steps no. and tons of time. Well, and sometimes it's really nice to, like, choose dishes that are just easy. Yep. Like, we want an easy week. And this... this this fit the bill. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this was a good one because they actually give you the option in the book for making gluten-free dumpling dough. Mm-hmm. And so we figured, let's give it a try. So the flour, the flour blend was it was tapioca flour, millet flour, rice flour, and psyllium husk. Here's the thing about that is it's our dough was not quite as hydrated as it could have been. So it was a little bit difficult to work with. And already in the recipe, the author kind of forewarns you that this is not going to stretch mm-hmm. like a normal dough would. And so you have to take that into it's, consideration. It's not very forgiving. You have to be right. very careful with your fillings. And then I think we further complicated it by just ours was, like you said, not hydrated enough. And it could have benefited from like a couple more little like flicks of water. Yeah. Right. Maybe like half a teaspoon. Flicks. A couple flicks. It's, Okay, we'll right? go with that. <laughs> Just like grandma used to do. If if my grandma was an Asian I, I, grandmother making dumplings. I was going to say. <laughs> um, and we filled them with a, it was like an herby mushroom and onion mixture. The, the dumpling section actually has suggestions for seasonal fillings. Right. And, and there was a beautiful photo in the book too. Mm-hmm. Like a double page photo of like spring, summer, fall and winter. Uh, with the different ingredients. All the fillings. I think a common mistake that at least us dumb white people make is like trying to overfill them. Yes. This isn't like a burrito that you're trying to stuff full of ingredients. Like when it says a teaspoon, use a teaspoon. I know. Like and that's, that's so, well, and it, especially with this dough, like if you overfill it. It's going to break. Yeah. Yeah. And ours, you know, if I'm being honest, was a little thicker than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. No fault of the recipe, but it's just... Well, that was my fault because I rolled them it just, out. <laughs> it just takes some some patience and probably some experience with doing it. You know, if they say that you need like 10,000 hours to master a skill, we only have like 9,999 hours right. to go to be dumpling uh, um, master. Dumpling masters. 
And what did we do with these dumplings? We used them in a wonton and noodle soup with ginger and turmeric broth. Which was delicious. Yes. Um, so the broth was uh, ginger, garlic, turmeric, and vegetable stock. Very aromatic. Mm-hmm. The wontons and the noodles get cooked separately. You can cook them in the same water, just not at the same time. Once um, again, we uh, called up broccolini to join the party. Oh, yeah, we did. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and once again, forgot to blanch those stocks. <laughs> when will we ever learn? Oh, you'd think we would. Um, and this has some chickpeas in it. And there, there, ha- there was some green chili. Uh, it gets garnished with scallion, cilantro, and serrano chili this was a hearty bowl well, of especially food. with the noodles and, and the, the dumplings wonton. yeah <laughs> like holy cow yeah the broth was delicious do you want to revisit the the gluten-free dumplings at some point do you have an interest in that or are you kind of just like eh? i think eventually i'll get a craving for a dumpling because honestly i do get bummed out like because i can't just keep a bag of dumplings in the freezer right to snack on yeah on or, or to for a snack eat them in bed because <laughs> um, we always used to have have a bag of dumplings and you know sometimes it's like i don't want to cook for dinner so let's yep. just make some dumplings it's an, it's an easy thing to throw together yeah so eventually i will get a craving for and, them we'll, and we'll i'll suck it up it and we'll, we'll 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 let you know how it goes It'll be even better. And I'll, I'm sure. I'll be on top of the hydration. I have faith. <laughs> I have faith. Okay. Uh, only 9,999 more hours to go. Sure. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that ride. It'll be great. If you say so. <laughs> Before we jump into our reviews, let's discuss the most critical Amazon reviews. I found a couple of them. Okay. And they were both kind of in the, the same critique, mm-hmm. which I thought was, was interesting. You want to start with the first one? Sure. Uh, this was Sue S. She gave it one out of five stars. If that's your real name. <laughs> uh, she said, very disappointing. Entirely noodles. Totally noodle recipes. Totally nude. Very, very little variety. Poorly done. Hmm. Uh, according to the index, there are 24 recipes. Well, there noodles. is a chapter for noodles. In yeah. The book, and I think that's where all of the noodle recipes reside. So No, there are some salads. There are some salads okay. in the salad section that have noodles. So total of 24 noodle recipes. Apparently, Sue S. got stuck in the, in the noodle aisle of the grocery store right? and just couldn't get out. <laughs> Man. And then uh, Renee... Had a similar experience. She also gave it one out of five stars and said, many, many, by many, many, she means 24, noodle recipes. <laughs> Not much that is inspiring in this. TBH, there was only about two things I would bother cooking. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I, w- I want to know what those two things were. I know. <laughs> Renee, if you're listening, get out of the noodle aisle <laughs> and send us a DM because TBH, I want to know what those two recipes were that you were considering before you submitted your negative review, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. That brings us to our rankings. We'll begin with the food photography and styling category. Victoria, what did you have? I gave it a 4.5. Okay. Um, okay. So Hetty took all the photos on her own. Uh, it was like 35 millimeter yeah, it's, medium format. It's worth noting that on page five of the book, there's a, a whole page devoted to, it, you know, Talking it's like a note the, on photography. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, she had a vision. Yes. And it was a very deliberate approach. And I think, it, I think her vision was executed. I think the photos fit her vision. And knowing that, it actually like altered my ranking or affected my ranking. Okay. Knowing like the story behind it. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Um, the surfaces were, she said it was her kitchen bench, dining table, side table, and a coffee table. And all the cutlery, linens, and dinnerware were from her personal collection. They weren't props. It's stuff that she uses every day. There was no prop stylist employed no. for this book. The light feels really natural. I think everything was pretty much placed next to a window. Sure. Or, t- or the photos were taken outside. These were unfiltered, unedited. It had a very um, 
kind of light aesthetic to it like yes. because all of the with the exception of uh her bench which was brown everything was light or mm-hmm. white mm-hmm. lots of photos of her you know her little kids hands in there which she also made a point to you know to point out that uh that was just random spontaneous shots she took they were not posed or staged yeah. it was just like they were around when she was cooking or getting ready to serve up the meals and so like the hands would appear little, little hands frame. need to grab things right right i do think since everything is repeated it can get a little one note sure but yes it it, it was kind of lo-fi too obviously because it was Mm-hmm. analog mm-hmm. but i really like the photos yeah the and the way she set them up i thought very tasteful it, very tasteful she didn't feel the need to overcrowd the frame mm-hmm. and shove everything in there agreed how about you What'd i you gave it a it? five okay i think you touched on a lot of the stuff that i had in my notes the photos have this purposely kind of grainy analog feel. There was lots of 45 degree angle shots, which you don't see a lot. So a lot of times in cookbooks, it's either like an overhead shot or maybe like a straight on shot. If it's like something like a burger or something. And there was a good amount of, like I said, like those 45 degree angle shots, the overhead shots of the dishes have a lot of, negative space Uh surrounding the the focal point and i know she said that you know largely these were unedited so that was a very conscious kind of style choice on Uh her part to back off the shot a little bit so you're not looking at this very closely cropped close-up shot of the dish like there was a nice amount of negative space surrounding them that's a really good observation yeah lots of utensil i have my moments <laughs> lots of uh utensils tucked into bowls i noticed too uh-huh. to give that appearance of uh i guess it would be like trying to make them like kind of welcoming and accessible and like you know dig in um and then uh, like you said like a lot of action shots with hands i thought the photographs had a, a overall kind of a retro feel to them absolutely and that was Partially as a result of the vintage pieces that she used as props, Mm -hmm. which, you know, as you mentioned, she said they were like part of her personal collection. So they weren't like props that she rented out or borrowed from someone, but they were some really nice, you know, vintage plates and bowls and yeah, stuff like that. Um, None of the dishes appear to have been like labored over too much or quote unquote styled Mm -hmm. too much. And I really appreciated that. It was like very understated, but had a very clear vision as she described in page five of the book. And I thought she executed her vision. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like home cooking. It looked like home cooking, but a little bit nicer. Right. Like shit isn't just slopped onto the plate. Right. Design and layout. What'd you give it? I gave it a five. Okay. There's six chapters. I love the chapter pages. Each chapter has this black print on a red background that has kind of a retro flair and it's combining like both text and illustration. It almost has like kind of a Mad Men opening credits vibe and it and it plays off of the book cover too. So the the text uh, that you see on the book cover, all of the chapter introductions kind of have that same playful like text and... Um, kind of graphic in the title the l uh or the o in love is kind of being taken down by some chopsticks right and so that's what you can expect for the chapter pages i thought that was nice most of the recipes if not all feature a companion photo the recipes have a serving size um they also mention whether it's gluten-free vegan or not they have both metric and imperial measurements and then each recipe also would have like recommended substitutions for either ingredients or on how to make it gluten-free or vegan mm-hmm. if possible. Um, there are some dishes that it's just not possible and right. that's just not mentioned in there. There is um, an Asian pantry ingredient section at the beginning of the book. Unlike a lot of other cookbooks, I actually find this useful because if you're just kind of getting started with cooking uh Asian flavors and using those ingredients, these might be things that you need to familiarize yourself with. 
there's a couple of introductory kind of sauce and oil recipes as well as a few what you're going to be using frequently in the dishes. So she's got a whole section at the beginning before the chapters begin talking about like how to do eggs and how to fry eggs, how to soft boil eggs. Um, there's a There was a kimchi recipe. There was a recipe for scallion pancakes, which is kind of the equivalent of like a taco or a flatbread or whatever, you know, like a taco. Well, yeah, because like a tortilla. But you know what? I, <laughs> what I'm comparing it to is like there are plenty of things that you could serve with these scallion pancakes and kind of like wrap them up like a taco okay. or something or put them on a, a flatbread or something. So okay. she had I thought it was interesting that she felt it important to include like a, a standard recipe for like scallion pancakes because that's kind of so ubiquitous in Asian recipes and in in cookbooks and stuff. So okay. there's an index format in the back of the book that's very easy to read. It's got each ingredient broken down and then the page number in bold I like print. that index. Yeah, it was really nice and easy to follow. Um, and then it would have like the different recipes that, you know, so you could look up something like tofu. Udon, yeah, udon noodles. Right. And that's how I found out that there were 24 noodle recipes in there that uh, <laughs> those Amazon reviewers claim that, uh, you know, it was all full of. It's it's hard to find much fault in the design and layout because the author, again, had a very clear vision of what she wanted it to look like. And, and I think she succeeded in that. So okay. five. What'd you have? I gave it a 3.5. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. You know how you were talking about the intro is 30 pages long. It's like 30 ish pages long. Correct. I think those recipes that she had in the intro should have been their own separate chapter. Okay. It just seems like a pantry staples or pantry ingredients kind of thing. Yeah. It just seems confusing to me to have them in the introduction. Maybe people might overlook them. Yes. Okay. Um, You might be right. And let's see. What uh, what can I say that you didn't say? Probably not a lot. I talk a lot. (laughs) Yes, you do. But I still love you. (laughs) Um, The ingredient, the font for the ingredients is really small. Okay, yeah. Uh, So small. There were serving sizes, but no times, like prep time, cook time. However, it might not be necessary because everything was pretty quick. To a certain degree. I mean, there were some, you know, if you're making dumplings from scratch or noodles from scratch, it's not a weeknight project. Oh, and the head notes kind of describe... Her origins for the dish, like what inspired her, because she might have, there was something that she grew up eating and she kind of tweaked it, or there was something that she was exposed to on her travels, you know, something from a restaurant and how she changed it, like why she liked the dish. I was exposed to on some travels one time, but that's a whole different story. I was too, and I dumped my hot coffee on him. <laughs> Good for you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I gave, I gave it a, a three point five. Okay. And one one of the one of the things that I actually really did like is that the pages weren't all white. There was like tan, kind of mm. grayish, and I do think it makes the smaller font easier to read for some reason. Yeah, it's kind of contrary to what popular belief like it's got to be like a black font on a white page yeah and i think it's much easier to read on a nine on a non-white page you might be right mm-hmm. i'm sure someone smarter than us has done studies probably yeah degree of difficulty what'd you have i gave it a two dumpling <laughs> dumplings gluten-free dumplings withstanding most of the dishes have kind of short cook times the instructions are really clear And I feel like the ingredients are easy to source. There are like substitution, substitutions. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't find an Asian pear, use a a regular pear. That kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, I I would be perfectly... If I had never cooked any kind of Asian dish and I picked up this cookbook, I feel like I would be successful. Fair. What'd you give it? I gave it a three. Okay. I think it really does depend on the particular recipe because we did tackle a few more what I would consider kind of challenging and involved dishes such as the the dumplings and you know and if if you wanted to make noodles from scratch 
that would be a little bit more, you know. Which re- there is also a recipe. There's a recipe right. for hand pulled noodles. So I think if you're okay. doing something like that, there will be additional skill, time, and effort involved. But that said, I I think we executed all the recipes competently, thanks to the instructions mm-hmm. that were in there. And I I think there was even a tutorial about like the dumplings, right? Yes, like and, a few pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know she does walk you through it. So as long as you're not the type that's too intimidated to dive into it i i think most people would be fine like tackling those you just got to allow yourself more time but i think it really depends on the recipe because then we also made a few dishes that like i said i would consider like pantry meals Mm -hmm. because it was just like throw these things together and in probably 15 minutes you've got dinner on the table so there's something for everyone okay how about Uh, taste what'd you give it i give it a four okay I liked everything, you know, I think we've already talked about, and this, and this isn't, maybe it's unfair to fault the recipes for this because it was more just a preference, but we've already talked about, you know, like we're not a huge fan of the dry fries, the dumpling thing probably needs work. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was to our the fault. author for even including a gluten-free dumpling recipe, because I think that would be a lot of things that some authors would just be like, oh. It Too doesn't bad. exist. Yeah, you, you don't. You're on your own. You don't get. You don't get no dumplings for you. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I I really enjoyed the dishes. I I if, from what I recall, like they all seemed to have like the appropriate flavorings and seasonings and aromatics, and there was nothing that I I thought we had to like amp up the 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 seasoning to get the the desired result. So. Okay, so you pretty much just said everything yeah. <laughs> I had written down because I, no I gave it a four too. Yeah, um, I just have to say that silken tofu with Brussels and black pepper sauce—I was over the yeah. moon about it. That'd be a great dish to serve I to dinner guests it. at a party too, Absolutely. or something. If you were having someone over, because uh, it's just such a unique thing—at least to to us, us uh, Westerners. Yeah. Um, and it was it was delicious, and I think people and it's it's the type of thing that you could just kind of serve up on a platter, and everyone could just kind of like dig in and get yes. like a big spoonful or mm-hmm. something. It was it was really delicious. All right, is this a buy, borrow, or banish based on? Your review. I think it's a borrow. Okay. I'm going to call it a buy because you know why? We actually bought this book. (laughs) I know we did. (laughs) We originally uh, borrowed this from the library. And in between the time we started working through it, or maybe you started working through it, and and at the time it was due, we had to like give it back. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I I think we're going to have to have to just break down and buy it and, and to which we did. And I mean, now I, this is definitely kind of something that's in our permanent collection. If for no other reason, just because it is plant-based yeah, and it does offer a lot of gluten-free options. So for the type of eating that we do nowadays, you've got options. And I think it would serve as just some great inspiration if you needed to cook those types of, of dishes for others. Mm-hmm. So, all right. That brings us to the Gastro Obscura section. We've got a very special one. This is one that we kind of chose not from the book of the same name, but just from our own research. But it, it fits nicely into the theme of Thanksgiving. Exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. What do you got for us today, Victoria? Okay. So in 1926, President Calvin Coolidge received... A fabulous gift for Thanksgiving. Which uh, was? Vinnie Joyce of Nida Yuma, Mississippi, sent the 30th president a live raccoon to be served as... Wait, come th- again? <laughs> he sent him a live raccoon. Oh. It was supposed to be served as Thanksgiving dinner. How, how was this sent? <laughs> I have so many questions about this. Right. And, uh, and as someone who owned a pet raccoon at one time... I'm deeply like, offended by this. Right, you know, like... How was this prepared for shipment? Did they they put a little uh, little tray of snacks in there for the for they the raccoon? Pro- they probably just threw that thing in a bag and put it on a carriage or something. Yeah. Anyway, Coolidge was so smitten with the, with the raccoon that he pardoned it and adopted it as a pet. Oh. 
right? Another successful pet raccoon story. Yes. See, we're not all hillbillies. Yeah. Well, you kind of are, but... (laughs) A president president owned a raccoon. Come on. Um, How heartwarming. Right. You got anything else? Okay. So guess what the busiest day of the year for plumbers is? Oh. (laughs) This is Thanksgiving related? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Well, it's Black Friday. (laughs) Oh, is that how it's got a name? No, I don't (laughs) think so. Okay. Um... So thanks to all the food that we eat, you have a lot of house guests. They tend to use the toilet. So you're kind of putting more stress on your plumbing. Um, you got olive in her diarrhea. <laughs> people are throwing uh, food down the kitchen drain and garbage disposals. Shoving like the turkey carcass down there, <gasps> turning on the disposal. Just be sure to scrape off your plates. and. So, so is this another one of those fun facts where it's like, according to the National Plumbers Association. It's, it's Roto-Rooter that's oh, see, reporting yeah, this. See, not biased at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right, once again, I'm going to need to check that explicit language box before I publish this episode. Ooh, you're going to cuss? No, all this talk about turkeys qualifies this as foul language. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, let me get a whiteboard. I got to draw this out. Oh, you're the worst. Oh, that wasn't even the joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) that was a freebie. That was a bonus one. Okay. Sorry. That joke was so bad that my dad's probably turning over in his gravy. (laughs) Shut up. Okay. This is the joke. I promise. All right. What's the best way to stuff a turkey? Feed him. Serve him lots of pizza and ice cream. Okay. Do you want to go back to the first one? Your your lead up jokes are way funnier. All right. Ah, you can't hit a home run every time. (laughs) You mostly don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry.